Hello, I'm Jordan with Scale and Detail, trying to actually be productive in my high school existence. Today, I'm going to be inter interviewing Sean, who knows a lot more about architectural design than I do, but that's probably a good thing. Thank you so much for coming, Sean. Thanks for having me. No, I mean, like, we've been trying to get this interview going for, like, a while, and I'm like, it's great that we're actually finally being able to talk. <laughs> yeah, it so, is. It is good. So what's, like, your official job title, and, like, what do you actually do? So I'm an architect and I'm the owner of Play Architecture. So I run the business and I also design uh, buildings that come my way. Um, mm -hmm. I work with a number of different architects and designers that, to help me out. And I'm a small business owner first and foremost, uh, but I, I rely on a lot of other help uh, to get jobs done. Is there any like specific fields that you focus on in architecture? Um, are you talking about types of building types, building typologies? I don't or? know, like building types, like specific scenarios, like low income, high income, like urban, yeah, suburban. I do, I do a lot of public and private projects um, from transportation jobs like light rail systems all the way to uh, high end residential homes. Mm -hmm. I don't tend to typically work on kind of low end, or, you know, kind of, uh, um, I guess, mass produced projects like, like housing developments. Uh, you know, low-income projects as well. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to tend to focus more on the bigger scale projects. When you say like transportation focused, what does that mean exactly? Um, I design a lot of light rail stations. Uh, I work in a lot of airports as well. Um, concourse design, terminal design. Um, so, so anything in the the public realm um, that has to focus on, on transportation. No, I mean that's really cool because. Uh, a few a few interviews ago, I interviewed like a transportation engineer. It's like it's really interesting. I think it will be at least hearing about like the other side of the story. You know? Yeah. No, it is. Uh, you know, as an architect, we're always design oriented, so we look at the the bigger picture, uh, the aesthetics of the spaces and and things like that. Where the engineers, like you probably just learned from from your engineer, they're more focused on math based or, or principles uh, to make those you know our 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 designs come to reality. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm more focused on the design side of, you know, uh, you know, transportation as far as, you know, uh, airports and, and light rail stations go. But like I said, I, I do uh, projects on a number of different projects, different type of building typologies across the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've designed projects that, you know, 600 acre master plans in India, um, mm -hmm. all the way to just a small remodel, you know, to a next door neighbor. Uh, so I'm all over the place as far as the type of projects that we work on. And we really just look for good clients, um, clients that allow us to, to be design oriented and, and to, to come up with some cool kind of refreshing architecture, you know what I mean? Uh, instead of seeing just the, the typical stuff that you see out in the, on the street. So what's like the most interesting like place that you've worked in? Uh, as far as uh, city goes, you mean, uh, or, or type of project that I've worked on? I don't know, just like anywhere. Cause you're talking about like India and like, you know, yeah. that's never a place I think I'm ever gonna go. Yeah, you know, it was definitely unique. Um, and, and there's a lot of challenges that come with working with, with uh, other countries. Um, they have different types of building codes and different types of processes that you have to kind of do. So you have to learn a lot about um, how other countries work. But uh, I've worked on projects in India, um, Doha, Qatar, um, Istanbul, Turkey, um, number of places in China. Um, I, I haven't really touched much of Europe, but I've, I've, I've touched a lot of different countries. 
uh, as far as you know, putting buildings up and, and, and coming up with some creative designs for, for those countries. And I just like working for other countries because uh, what's nice is that oftentimes I'm just doing a design package for them. And then they have their own, they're required to have their own architects do the construction documents uh, mm -hmm. and to get that through permitting and to actually build the project. So um, like I said, I'm more focused on design. So I, I, I like that. I appreciate being able to just do a design package, pass it off to them and then have them contact me with questions. And, and you know, I'm, I'm still involved in the process, but very little. You know, I'm just making sure that the design is still intact. And the original idea is still there, um, you know, when they're, when they're going through that process. But uh, yeah, I've been, I've been involved in a number of countries, uh, you know, working in a number of countries. So it, it's, it's fun and it's also difficult. How is architecture like different around the world? Um, you know, first and foremost, I mean, construction technologies are different, you know, third world countries, obviously you're gonna have, you're gonna have different techniques of putting buildings together. Uh, like in India, for instance, they're still using bamboo scaffolding. Um, you know, we're, we're here in the United States, you know, technology and there's more money involved. Um, you're using safer equipment. Um, but, but just, the, just the, diff, the, the different kinds of technologies used and the different uh, construction um, techniques uh, used, like detailing and how to, how to put a little, you know, uh, mm -hmm. detail together are somewhat different um, in one country as opposed to another. I mean, even from one state to another is different. Like, let's say I'm in Arizona. You know, we don't have basements because we don't have freeze level, you know, underground. Um, whereas if I go in Massachusetts, you know, somewhere over Massachusetts, and, you know, people are building basements under their houses uh, because they have to, to um, uh, comply with kind of the, you know, the, the different tech, the, the different um, uh, construction techniques based on weatherization and all, you know, all, the, all these mm -hmm. things. So there's a lot of thought process going in between um, from one state to another or one state or one country to another country. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a lot of different techniques that are involved. And that's, that's kind of why like other countries only want you to do the design work and then they do the construction documentation. Mm -hmm. That would, they, they know their, their, their weather, they know their uh, requirements a, a little better so than, than, than I would. I mean, it's easy. It's very easy to like come up with like a really like perfect design, but obviously there's like constraints to the real world. So like, how do you figure out what those constraints are, and like how do you design around them? Um, the biggest constraints I would say are schedules and budgets. Um, you know, oftentimes the client will come to me with a, a, a schedule and a budget, saying, you know, we want this for X amount of money, and we need it by this time. Um, those are the two biggest constraints that I see. And, and you have to keep, as an architect, you have to have some flexibility or fluidity uh, to kind of go through the entire process to make sure you hit that schedule and budget. You know, you're working with a number of people, so you're collaborating. Um, you know, there's a number of parts moving and, and you really have to kind of keep your, your design flexible enough to where you can make those changes if needed if, as, the, as the schedule goes on. Um, like I've worked on a, on an educational building before where, you know, they're saying, okay, well, we have to open at the beginning of the next school year. So we have to have the design construction documentation and the building built by this date. Um, it's detrimental to them. If we miss that date, you know, what happens to all the students in the classrooms that they're supposed to be using? Um, they don't have that. Right. So we have to be somewhat flexible in our design to make sure that we can hit the dates. So we're collaborating contractors and, and, uh, engineers in order to speed up the process and help 
so that everyone understands you know, what's going on in the design and helps kind of move everything forward at a quicker pace. Um, but yeah, construction schedules and, and, and budgets are the, are the biggest uh, constraints. Um, sometimes clients don't know what their, their budget is or what they want. Um, so then we have to use our thinking caps and, and come up with, you know, uh, you know, what's important to them, what's not important to them and start creating these ideas, uh, putting them in front of them to see what they want. And then when we figure out what they want, then we can get a, a kind of a construction estimate as to how much this would cost. And then they're going to say, oh, well, you know, that's way more than I was thinking. Let's, let's, you know, cut it down. And then obviously you're, you're, you're having to be more fluid again with your, with your, your design. Um, so there's a lot of fluidity and, and flexibility involved in being able to design something to accommodate their needs. Um, another big, uh, another big thing is uh, working with the city, um, trying to get city permits. You know, it's a tedious process. So um, you have to be able to make sure that you're you're doing all the things to the city codes um, so that you're not delaying anything on the project. So um, again, uh, so those are the biggest those are the biggest constraints typically. How do regulations in the United States compare to regulations in like India or China? Uh, I'm probably not a good person to answer answer that just because I don't get into a lot of the regulations, you know, in overseas, because like I said, we usually do design work and then we pass it along to them. I mean, I, they do have different tech. A lot of them kind of adopt our codes um, because their codes aren't stringent, very stringent. So they'll mm -hmm. adopt our codes as far as architecture goes uh, for building permits and then even for sustainability, they'll look at our, our standards and, and kind of assume those as their standards for projects, knowing that whatever we do is gonna be built a little bit better and stronger than what that, that country would have done. And not all countries are like that. I'm just using like India for an example. Um, they kind of take and adapt a lot of our stuff to, to make theirs as well. So that they, they know that they're getting a good product. Why did you choose to go into architecture? Um, you know, I, I got started early on. Um, I really liked uh, being creative. Um, I played with Legos, I built model cars. You know, uh, another component of this was my mom was always uh, remodeling our house when I was younger. So I got involved with that and helping her. My dad was always in the garage restoring cars. He, he collected old cars. Um, so I always liked getting my hands dirty and, and kind of taking things apart, putting things together. Um, and then when I got older, I started realizing that I really liked being able to, to have an idea and then actually creating that idea. How, how, does, how do you make that a reality? Um, so I think that's kind of the, the gist of where I got my creativity from. Do you think there are specific, specific qualities you need to be able to be a good architect? Yes. <laughs> um, I think you have to have a good sense of design. Um, you have to have a, 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 great, eye, a, a great eye for design and, and details um, to be able to translate those to the client. It's really important. Um, you also have to be a big visionary. Um, you need to be able to, a good architect can kind of see something that, that's not out there on paper or, or that you can show somebody that exists and you have to be able to make that a reality. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you see something in your mind um, and then see that all the way through a full, full built project. Um, another thing you have to have is, is good communication. Uh, communication I would say is, is probably one of the key aspects in architecture, um, being able to communicate with clients, uh, being able to get their, their needs and wants on paper and, and being able to um, talk about it with the builder so that they understand what you're trying to, trying to do. Um, another skill is listening. Um, you have to be open to, to listening to clients, clients want. 
Um, you know, you don't want to you don't want to come in. Some architects have a history of like, especially some of the older architects that you've probably heard of, have a history of like just doing what they want. You know, on a project. You know, and, and clients don't like that. Um, you know, you don't want to build something that they're not going to like. Word of mouth's going to get out, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're not a good architect because you didn't listen to what the client wants. Um, another another thing you need to be good at is a good problem solver. Um, you need to be able to think of problems and be able to solve them, you know, solve them quickly. Like if the problem comes to you, I need to be able to turn around really quick and say, you know, we got to do this. Um, and then collaboration is also important. Um, you got to be able to work with a number of different people to make the project a, a reality. Do you think those are skills you can learn or are they like innate? I think a lot of them you can learn. I mean, some skills are, are tough to, to teach. Um, communication, I think you just have to be a person um, that that's out there and likes to go out and talk to people. Uh, I think communication is one of the, the key aspects of being a good architect. And I, I don't know if you can teach that, but a lot of them you can teach um, problem solving, you know, how to think of things uh, ahead of time. Um, but a lot of it's creativity, you know, how creative are you uh, being able to like, just, you know, um, visualize something in your head and, and, and getting that out. I think, um, you know, I, I think uh, so a lot of it can be taught, but I think a lot of it's also just how deep you can go, how creative can you can you pull from your mind? And so say I like wanted to be like exactly how you are now, like I want to take your career path. How would you recommend that person do it, like through higher education or internships or whatnot? Um, you know, the, I think would be the, the most important thing. And not a lot of people do this is if you're interested in architecture, call an architect up. Find someone that's local and see if you can shadow them for like a day or, or even a week. Um, I've had a couple of kids over the last few years call me and, and, and I'd let them come over and shadow. You know, they, they sit there and hang out with me. They see what my normal day is like. They see what I can do uh, in front of clients and, and kind of get a feel for, um, you, know, you know, whether or not they like it. I mean, I would I think you really have to like this profession um, in order to, to do all the work and all the schooling it needs and requires to be an architect. You really have to love it. And I would suggest if you don't love it, don't go into the field. You know what I mean? Because I think I don't treat this as work every day. I feel like it's kind of fun for me to be able to design. So I don't feel like it's, it's actual work. It, it's, just, it's just something I do and I like to do. So I, I spend a lot of time doing it. So um, but yeah, if shadowing is it'd be the most important thing. And then I think finding a school um, that has your interests. Uh, if you want design and only design, find an, an architecture school that has design. If you're more into the technical side of architecture, um, find a technical school. Um, you know, name brand schools don't mean much if they don't provide you with what you're looking for. Um, and, then, and then last, um, I, I chose design mostly because, or the schools for just because I knew once I got out in the field and was working for architects, I'd learn a lot of the other technical skills. So design to me was important to find first early on. I know this is a bit out of the blue, but is there like any solid number you can give for how many years it takes to become an architect? Um, if I had to say, like if you were efficient with your time, um, you could probably do it in like seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. From start a, start a education, going through four or five year call, uh, four or five year school, um, graduating and doing your 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 work immediately and and, and doc, you know, um, uh, keeping the track of all that and then going right through your exams and passing them all. I think you can do it in like you know, like I said, seven to eight years max. 
I mean, that's kind of scary because, like, think about, I mean, that's a lot of college debt. Yeah, it's five years of college, and then you definitely have to do the work to get licensed. So, mm-hmm. are when you're uh, trying to pass pass those tests, what are you doing aside from like just studying? Um. So, like I said, I I actually took a different route, and I actually got my exams. I, I passed my exams at a much later time in my life, where I had a lot of experience under my belt. Um, I did do I did do a lot of studying, but I didn't. Studying actually helped me. Uh, most of the things that I found on the exams were things that I've, I've dealt with in the past. Um, so I knew those answers, and, and most of that information came from talking with others, collaborating. You know, you're, you're talking with engineers, you're talking with your bosses. Um, you learn a lot of those things through through just work alone. Um, I do know I do know some people, the younger people that went in and, and took the exams, and they'd had very little experience, just a couple years' experience under them. Um, they did just fine as well going through the exams, but I think they did a lot of studying on the side as well. There's a number of books that you can get um, specifically geared towards just the exams that you're going to be taking. Um, and and I, I know they've done well through the exams as well, uh, just by studying. Why did you just decide to found your own company? Um, that's a good question because I don't like business. I'm not a business guy. Um, I just like, I like architecture and I like design, but I think um, the best answer is that I, I could pick my pick and choose my own clientele. Um, and then I have nobody above me that says, Hey, you know, you need to do this to your design. Um, I design as I see fit, uh, for a client, um, you know, through my years of, of, of working for others, you know, you, you, you do a design and there's always other designs like art, like art. Um, if I go up to an art piece, I'm going to think it looks, this is what I, this is what it means to me. The guy next to me might say, this is what it means to me. And it could be completely different. So if I'm working for an architect and I'm designing something, they're going to come in and kind of over me and kind of say, well, what if we do this? What if we do this? You know, make these changes. Um, so there's a lot of kind of push and pull. Um, but having your own design firm, obviously, nobody, I don't speak to anybody or I don't answer to anybody other than the client. Um, so I'm working directly with them and I'm doing all the things that I want to do with the client. So. Is that the reason you decided to go like freelance instead of working for a big company? Yeah, um, that and, and I think we're a bigger com- company. Like I said, I was traveling. I was traveling the world for a long time, and it got tiring. Um, you know, I, I do like design, and that was my that my main focus on all those projects when I was traveling. Um, but it gets tiring um, working for a big firm. You know, it, a lot of firms are it's about numbers. Um, they want to hit this, this much money in this this amount of time every year, and so working on my own, um, you don't have all those politics. You know, what I mean, I set my own goals, I I, I uh, set my own my own standards, and, and kind of go from there. I mean, honestly, that sounds really great. I mean, I feel like that's probably what I would try to do if I was going into architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that architecture is going to change a lot in the future? I think it's changed a lot already since I've been around. Um, when I first started architecture, um, we were learning by hand drawing in school. Everything was hand drawn. Um, when I when I first got out of architecture school, you know, AutoCAD was like a big thing. It just kind of started happening. It was probably a couple years in, um, where it was really helping architects kind of produce their their documentation, their drafting a lot faster than hand drawing. So that was kind of where things were moving when I started the industry. Um, now, you know, over the last few years, it's all about BIM, which is about building information modeling, which is three-dimensional, um, which is nice. I love it. 
now you're building in 3D, you know, all your documentation is in 3D. So now you can actually show a client a three-dimensional product instead of having to do it in two-dimensional. Because um, a lot of people can't read, especially clients, can't read two-dimensional drawings. You know, they see elevations, but they don't necessarily understand them. Um, now it's in three dimensions, they can actually see them a lot better. But I think where, where things are heading right now is more about virtual reality. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, once you have that product in three dimensions, it, it's easy to, to introduce virtual reality. And now all of a sudden, you can have the client actually sitting inside of their space, like their conference room or whatever you're building for them, and kind of walk through the building. And, and I think that's, that's really huge because it really allows clients to visualize what they're getting now. It also has a downfall because now clients see what they're getting and sometimes they may, oh, I wasn't expecting this, right? Maybe we need to make these changes, you know what I mean? So now you get a lot more of that, unfortunately. Um, but, but it is nice because they see what they're getting, they know what they're getting, they agree upon it, it's built, and then there's no problems, right? There's no, there's no, there's no hiding, there's no agenda, hidden agendas or anything like that. Like they're, they're actually literally getting what they saw. So, um, so it's nice. Um, I don't see it beyond, you know, right now, I, I don't know, if, you know, there's going to be programs that build houses for you. Who knows, who knows where the future holds? Um, there's a lot of, a lot of things out there that could potentially change, but I don't see architecture as a profession going away soon, because I think there's always going to be that need for, for people to um, have that, you know, that face-to-face -face conversation with somebody and being able to create something for them. Other than that, do you have any specific like concerns about the future of architecture? No, I, I don't at all. I, I think um, I think where architecture is really heading, if you're if you're talking about concerns, I, I think more globally, I think global warming, um, things like that are really going to affect architecture because buildings uh, contribute a lot of carbon um, gases to the you know to the earth like cars, you know what I mean? So buildings are, I think, the number two thing behind cars as part of the problem with global warming. And I think um, the biggest change is just going to be knowing more about sustainable design, um, how to build a carbon-free carbon building and a net zero building, um, something that can live off on its own without using, pulling power, water, you know, things like that. I think that's going to be the next, the next steps in design, the next steps in architecture. So if you're focus on sustainability um, and those kinds of aspects, I think you're going to be in good shape. Well, I mean, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. I really appreciate it. No problem. This, this was fun. Thanks for having me. No, it's been a fun time. Glad I could talk to you. Yeah, glad. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye.